Well, it's good to be with you again. Um, I was gone for a couple of weeks at a uh, high school graduation out in Colorado for a granddaughter. But we are back now to continue in our study of the seven churches of Revelation. You know, our, our first church was a church, and we learn a lot about what Jesus wants in his bride, in his church, that uh, wasn't as loving as they once were. And Jesus wants a bride that loves him, loves one another. And then the church of Smyrna was a church that got straight A's because it was a, a faithful church. And uh, even through extremely difficult times. And you know, in our wedding vows, we say through better for worse, for richer, poor, sickness and health, till death do us part. And recently, I've walked through two funerals of friends of mine of whose wives um, had dementia for several years. And in both those cases, those men went through extremely difficult times, but they remained faithful to their wives. And Jesus wants a faithful church. And then we looked at that church of Pergamum, which had a lot of good things going for it. But uh, Jesus wants a, a church that is a truthful church, that's true, can um, depend upon uh, that person being true to truth in a, like in a marriage relationship. But they were allowing some teachings of Balaam, some teachings of the Nicolaitans in. And uh, belief is extremely important. How can two walk together unless they're agreed? Today we're going to look at the church of Thyatira, which had a whole lot of good things going for it. But we'll find that Jesus just doesn't want a church that believes the right things, but behaves the right way. And uh, so if you, once again in honor of God's word, would stand. I'm going to read this letter. It's in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. And then we'll study this passage. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, your faith, your service, your patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess in his teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I'll throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I'll throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my words works until the end, I will give to him authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken to pieces." 
even as I also myself have received authority from my Father, and I'll give him the morning star. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And may we uh, have our ears open to what the Spirit would got to say to us here this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. We've always heard this expression in real estate, location, location, location. And as we look at a map, and uh, if we could look at this map here of uh, modern-day Turkey and the, the various churches, uh, there it is, uh, you see that these churches are all in the same country, and they're really not that far away. I've been uh, all through that area a couple of times in just a couple hours on a bus, and you'll be at the next location, and yet extremely different, we see, and what the challenges were according to where they were at. Now, as I shared, I was just out in Colorado. My, my um, son li- lives about 25 miles from the mountains. You can just see the mountains out there. At Estes Park is about 25 miles away. Boulder, Colorado, about 25, which is, if you've ever been to Boulder, Boulder is one wild, crazy place. It is. Um, and I tell you, in Boulder, in that county, if you went to a park, you better be wearing a mask in a park. Uh, it's uh, very, very, very liberal. And yet my son lives in Weld County, which is a totally different world. If you've ever gone out there, before you get to the mountains, you go through this plains, and he lives in cattle country, thousands and thousands of cows. It stinks out there. It does. However, if you don't think so, my, my granddaughter graduated from Severance High School. Named after a town where they severed the bulls. Now, that wouldn't be one thing you'd want to go tell everybody afterwards. But it's a totally different world, even though it's 25 miles away. We're going to find that out about Thyatira. Thyatira was a blue-collar trades town. It was a town that you went through, and there's military there... And we find one person, even in Scripture, that we know came from Thyatira and was in a, uh, the trade of selling purple. Who was that? Lydia. Acts chapter 16. It says that Lydia was a seller of purple, and she was from Thyatira. You know, your community, too, is uh, defined in a lot of ways by whatever industry is here. As I came into town... I saw a big sign that said, thank you, Pfizer. We're proud you call Portage home. And this week, I actually had to have a little eye operation, and they put me in a bed from Portage. What was the name of that bed? Striker bed. You know, I don't really want to sleep in a striker bed very often. You know, you just don't really want one. If you're in a striker bed, you're probably in trouble, right? But your community as well is defined a lot by the industry here. So if we can think through the fact that Thyatira was very blue-collar, particularly in the trades of what they called turkey red dye, which was particular there, very expensive dye. That's uh, what Lydia was into. Pottery was huge. As a matter of fact, if you go through the ruins today, there's just broken pottery everywhere. But also, you'll see burnt... um, Uh, ground everywhere and that's because it was a place where of metal workers and this is extremely important what I'm going to tell you now 
in whatever profession you were in, whether you were a baker, a cobbler, a clothier, dyer, a leather worker, tanner, weaver, potter, iron worker, you had your trade guild god or goddess that you sacrificed to, belonged to, and went to the parties to celebrate and worship if you belonged to that trade. I assume you've all seen The Wizard of Oz. I can't imagine that someone's not seen The Wizard of Oz. But you remember the little munchkins come up and they say, we represent the Lollipop League. We represent the, or the Lullaby League and the Lollipop Guild. And from now on, you'll be history. And we will glorify your name. You'll be a bust in the Hall of Fame. Well, imagine this, that if you worked at Striker Beds... <laughs> You had to worship some type of god or goddess associated with striker beds. And if you didn't, you lose your job. But you're a Christian. You can't do that. And then this is important. At each one of these guilds, they got the partying. And they, uh, they ended up committing sexual immorality on couches, <laughs> beds right there. What's a Christian to do? You got to make a living. That was the dilemma. Jesus writes this this church a letter and says, "Who's it to? And to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is your situation. From the words of the Son of God. Do you know that that's the only place where Jesus is called the Son of God in the Book of Revelation, and it's for a purpose, because There's all these gods and goddesses, but overwhelming them all, there was the major son of God, Apollo, son of Zeus, that they worshipped. That was the patron god of the city of Thyatira. And Jesus is in their face saying, "Uh uh-uh, I'm the son of God. The words of the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire. They were always purifying products with fire. And that's why today there's burnt spots all over the ground in the ancient ruins. And he says, I have eyes like fire. You know what purification is. My eyes penetrate. My eyes are pure. And whose feet are like burnished bronze. That means polished, powerful, pure. He's presenting himself pure to an impure church. And powerful, I'm the son of God. You don't worship Apollo or any of those other gods or goddesses. Now he commends them. And I tell you what, we read this verse 19. I want to join this church. Look at this. I know your works. I know your love. Not like the church of Ephesus, you're in love with me. I know your faith and your service, your patient endurance. You hang in there. And that your latter works exceed the first. You're growing. This is a going church. This is a growing church. This is a working church. And works are important, you know. You know, I uh, had a professor one time that said, you should never teach Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 unless you teach verse 10 as well so that people get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
For, um, uh, yeah. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, lest by any means anyone would boast. Then it says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, what? Unto good works, which he hath before ordained, that we ought to walk in them. What if a person doesn't walk in good works? It would cause you to believe that maybe they really didn't accept the grace of God, which will bring about good works. Not to earn it, but it's reciprocal. It's the ethic of grace. It's what happens when you're real. This church was real. It had good works. It had faith, service, patient endurance. As I shared, I think I might want to join this church, right? Verse, uh, the next verse though, 20, the complaint. <laughs> Uh-oh. How could there be something wrong with this church? And there's something big wrong with this church. But I have this against you. Boy, how'd you like to hear that from God, from Jesus Christ? That you tolerate. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Tolerance is a good thing, isn't it? I think that's almost like the highest priority today is tolerance. Remember this statement. Tolerance never trumps truth. (laughs) Truth trumps tolerance. You know, tolerance isn't always good. You know, compromise and everything. You heard about the, uh, the guy who was hunting for a grizzly bear. He came across a grizzly bear. He got ready to shoot, and the grizzly bear said, well, wait, wait a minute. He said, I'm certain we can come to an agreement here, a compromise. What, what is it you really want? And this guy said, I've always wanted a, a, a bear fur coat. And the bear said, well, all I'm after is a meal. So they compromised. The bear got his meal, and the man had a coat. (laughs) All compromise doesn't work. The bear made out off that one. I have this against you. This is the kind of loving Jesus saying, I hate this tolerance of yours. It's destroying the church. What do you tolerate? That woman Jezebel. (laughs) Now, I don't believe there was a woman in that town called Jezebel. But she was like a Jezebel. She was like the ancient Jezebel. You can read all about back in the, the book of First and Second Kings. That was one wicked woman. It said she led Abraham or Ahab astray, the king, to where it made him the worst king there ever was in Israel. And it was all because it says he was influenced by her. She was, uh, came from up in Tyre and Sidon. And her father uh, was king or priest up there, I forget which. And she brought Baal worship into Israel. And we'll look a little bit more at her, but she was one tough, wicked woman. Well, apparently, they had a false teacher who was Jezebel-like in the church of Thyatira. And she was intimidating too. And no one told her that's not true they tolerated her, I think, out of fear. I mean, yeah, in the Old Testament, Elijah got afraid of Jezebel. Now, today, yeah, it says she was a Jezebel. We say, well, uh, she's like a Delilah. 
or we might say uh, like a Judas. You ever watch Lieutenant Columbo, the frumpy guy you know with all the... A couple years ago, we got robbed, and uh, the detective came out, and we had been at the symphony that night downtown, and... uh, the detective said, well, it was Friday night, your house is dark, we live way out in the country. He said, Friday nights, druggies just drive around, and they just want money, and they break in quick, steal the money, you should have left some lights on. And I said to this detective, I said, yeah, I have another theory on this. I said, you know, they had all my information for those tickets. I wonder if somebody down at the, at the Moore Civic Center has those names. I'd like to know how many other people went to that concert tonight got got robbed. <laughs> this guy looks at me and goes, who do you think you are, Lieutenant Columbo? <laughs> and then we just roared because, uh, you know, Lieutenant Columbo is sort of a character. That's what it's saying. You have a woman in the church who's teaching, and you will not confront her on the fact that what she's saying is, It's okay to go to the guild uh, celebrations and worship. You got to make a living. And God is gracious. He'll overlook. And it's it's okay. It leads to the sexual immorality because a lot of drinking and everything. And they have temple prostitutes. We're under grace. You see, not just belief matters. Behavior matters. There's a movement today that says, first we belong and then we believe. At what point do you tell somebody what we believe and you really don't belong if you don't believe these things? What light has, what fellowship is there with light and darkness? And then it says, she calls herself a prophetess. She, she claims to uh, be, she's self-promoting. She calls herself a prophetess. She calls herself a prophetess. She's self-promoting. She's, quote, spiritual. And it says she's teaching. She has special knowledge, you know. And seducing. She's seductive. My servants to practice sexual immorality eat things sacrificed to idols. They would have uh, big meals down there with meat that was sacrificed to the god or goddess of your your guild, your trade. And uh, again, just think of yourself in that town. Whatever uh, profession you were in, you were going to have to do this. What's a Christian to do? You got to make a living. You got to compromise. But then again, you might get eaten by the bear, right? And they were getting eaten by the bear. This woman called herself, she was self-promoting, spiritual, and this is key, she was teaching things that, you see, only the enlightened get. (laughs) She had special knowledge. She was probably a very good speaker. And she was seducing, seducing people to follow her. Have you ever been exposed to that? You ever had somebody in the church that maybe wasn't up here, but maybe teaching a class or a study? And they they kind of promoted themselves as, I'm the enlightened one. And if you become a part, then you'll share in that too. Because not everybody quite gets it. The the deeper things will go on. I gave her time to repent. Isn't that gracious of, of God? 
But she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality, her stubbornness. She was stubborn just like the ancient Jezebel. I gave her time. 2 Peter 3 says that God's patient. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's unbelievable. It says this, that the church of Corinth was actually proud of their tolerance of a man that was sleeping with his mother or stepmother. And it, Paul says, even the heathen don't tolerate that. <laughs> Maybe that's because the heathen aren't loving like we Christians. And we're just to be tolerant of everything in the name of love and grace. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says this. Because the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, it's set within the hearts of men to do evil continuously. There's no payday. I can get by with it. So you continue. But there comes a payday. And there came a payday here at this church as well. It says behold. And the word behold, whenever you behold that word, then behold. It means stop, take this in. Whoa, reflect upon this. Make certain you get this. I'm going to throw her onto a sickbed. What happened to the ancient Jezebel? How'd she die? She was what? Thrown out of a window. It's going back. I'm going to throw her on a sickbed. Some scholars say they're, that Jesus is playing off the beds and that they had these beds where they did their partying at, at the uh, heathen uh, celebrations and worship services. I'm going to throw her on a sick bed. She's going to get sick. And those who commit adultery with her, I'm going to throw them in the great tribulation unless they repent of her works. What happened to Ahab, her husband? Huh. He got eaten by animals, dogs. She got eaten by animals and uh, thrown down, trampled. And they could only find, I think it was her skull and her hands. She had a terrible ending. And not only that, then all of her, all of Ahab's sons were killed. It says, and I will strike her children dead. Again, this, this, is, the, this is Jesus talking. I'm going to throw her down. I'm going to kill her kids. I'm going to strike them. How do we handle that? Unless they repent of her works, unless they stop doing this. Um... I'm he who searches the mind and the heart, and I'll give to each of you according to your works. Well, certainly that wouldn't have happened in the New Testament, would it? You know, one of the things I love about the Church of Christ, they even saw here, much is made of Scripture. Much is made of the relationship with Jesus Christ and his sacrifice through communion. Those are great uh, things that we see in the Church of Christ. We want to be like the early church. Do you want Ananias and Sapphira experiences in the church? <laughs> it's reminiscent of that, isn't it? While that would never happen, well, there was that Ananias and Sapphira experience. What I'm saying is this. Um, we're a little too comfortable with, um, I think... Grace that is abused. Paul says, I, I, I don't 
take advantage of the spirit of grace. I, uh, I don't presume upon it. I don't take advantage of it. I don't exercise liberty and just say, oh, well, isn't God loving? I don't make excuses for bad behavior. Belief, true belief, leads to right behavior. Is there a remedy? Here's the remedy. Boy, you need one. But for the rest of you in Thyatira, it's not everybody. Not everybody goes to that class. Not everybody goes to that Bible study. Not everybody listens to that woman. There are those that are saying, that's wrong. Who do not, we're going to see this word not three times. You know, the word not is not necessarily a bad word. That's another one. Oh, they're just a bunch of legalists. I, I, I assume that maybe that's what the, the Jezebel crowd was saying is, the, the others, they just don't get it. They, they're just a bunch of legalists. They don't understand grace. They do not hold this teaching who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. Do you know that scholars actually believe that what Jezebel was teaching is, listen, how, how can you know your enemy unless you've entered into their camp? It's an old lie. If you don't eat of the apple, you won't ever know good from evil. You know, Romans 16, the Apostle Paul says this, concerning that which is good, be, be, be wise concerning that which is good, but concerning evil, be naive, be simple, be innocent concerning evil. Just say, I don't know, I, I've never been there, and I don't want to go there. But you're not enlightened. How, how can you judge unless you've experienced it? And actually saying, you kind of have to enter into Satan's domain to understand, and then you'll really be enlightened. Uh, how could you ever minister to the people in your trade guild unless you've been there with them? The same lie. Satan, you know, Satan's a liar, but he doesn't come up with any new ones. <laughs> He said, don't think you need to understand evil. I do not lay on you any other burden. What, what the scholars say here is this. It's like, huh, man, I'm staying so far away from that. And then you put all these rules between you and them. And then you have become a legalist. You don't have to become Amish to be holy. I live in an Amish community. They aren't quite as holy as what you think they are. <laughs> They're human too. So driving a horse and buggy uh, doesn't mean that you're holy. As a matter of fact, one of the real problems they have is the teenage kids, they, they, they want to decorate their buggy all up on the inside. And there's actually competition between who has the nicest horse and nice as buggy, all that type of stuff. It's just humanity in our souls. And, um, but there needs to be some barriers. There are some yeses and some nos to the Christian life. And I think we live in an era where everybody wants their freedom without any responsibility. And get yourself in a lot of trouble. You end up in a ditch. You know, driving up here, all along the way, there's what's called rumble strips, grumblers, growlers. You know what those are, don't you? If you start getting over a little too far, okay, wakes you up. Uh, They call them that too. They call them sleepers. I like them. (laughs) 
They keep me on the road. Now, if I really want my freedom, what if, what if I said, you know, I just want to drive all over the road? Well, what if everybody did that? I don't want any rumblers. I don't want any grumblers. I don't want any rules that say, get back in there. <laughs> Jesus says we need those. Because he loves us and doesn't want us to get into the ditch. And he doesn't want churches to get in the ditch either. Let me tell you some observations I've made. And I've had these people over the years. Um, I was thinking a couple of stories where we had to deal. And it was hard with some people that were very, very gifted, but not teaching truth. And not everybody understood. But some things I've noticed is... Um, they avoid the word sin. You'll notice that. We make mistakes, we have errors, we have misjudgments. But they don't use the word sin. They, uh, they avoid certain parts of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. They stay away from that. And they're very selective even in the New Testament. There's certain areas such as what's called the hard sayings of Jesus, the book of Revelation, Romans 1 through 3, Titus and Jude, those passages that kind of get in your face and say there needs to be some good behavior here, they, they kind of avoid those, focus on others. They allow immoral teachers as long as they're good teachers and they have itching ears to hear something that perhaps they hadn't heard before. Um, they're constantly speaking against Modern-day Phariseeism, legalism, but they don't speak about license. They're very judgmental of anyone that would ever disagree with them because they look down on the unenlightened. You just don't get it. Uh, they're seductive in many ways, sometimes in dress and... Uh, a major emphasis placed upon outward appearance. And then, um, in our modern day, uh, there's a, a movement where uh, several, pa uh, one in particular pastor is called the cussing pastor. Because you're real. You know, being real, that's important. So, you're, certain things are overlooked because it, it just helps you relate. So, the, the pastor tends to use some pretty as scripture says, unwholesome language in the pulpit, and it kind of endears you to him because he's, he's real. And then some of the things that we typically would say, you know, that shouldn't be a part of your life, abuse of alcohol and so forth, that's kind of overlooked, certainly not confronted. Besides that, you wouldn't want to confront this person. Elijah was afraid of Jezebel. After taking out 850 prophets, what was it? They're intimidating because they know, you know, they, they don't care. Jezebel says, hey, you want that vineyard? I'll get it for you. Had Naboth killed. There's a hardness of heart. And then verse 25 says this, only hold fast to what you have until I come. Hold it fast what you have. Well, what if I don't think I have enough? Now, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, all scriptures inspired by God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, righteousness, so that the 
the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We've got all we need. We just need to plumb its depths. (laughs) You don't need anything new. (laughs) It's another thing I like about Church of Christ. We don't want to go forward. We want to go back (laughs) and get it right like it was in the beginning. But hold on with both hands. You don't need to be grabbing at something else. You're thoroughly equipped. You have enough. Here's a great statement on this. Time and truth walk hand in hand. You give these people, the Jezebels or whatever in our culture, give it time and it's exposed. It falls apart. Time and truth go hand in hand. And with time, Jezebel was on a sickbed and all those with her. And then the reward. What if you do hold out? The one who conquers, who's an overcomer, who keeps my works until the end, and those that are true will, to him I'm going to give him authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. It's interesting he uses iron in a town that made iron. As when earthen pots are broken into pieces, pottery all over the place broken in Thyatira. He said, look around at all the pottery broken to pieces. One day, that's what this is going to happen to evil. Even as I myself received authority from my father, I'll be in charge and I'll share that authority to you. And I'll give him the morning star. Uh, You know that in Isaiah 14, 12, Lucifer is called the shining one, and he, he's called the, 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 the new dawn, the, 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 the new day, the morning star, or the, uh, the morning sun. I think what it's saying is, I'll give you everything you're looking for. I'll give you a new day that's bright. And, of course, at the end of the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I am the morning star. I'll give you myself. What's the response? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's the Spirit saying to the church? Well, you know, I always say to myself, well, what's the Spirit saying to Craig? I have a tendency to say, well, what's the Spirit saying to the capital? <laughs> what's, church, what's the Spirit saying to the church? That's really important. But also, individually, what, what's the Spirit saying to me? Because it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's our response? You know, Titus 2.14 says this. He gave himself for us to redeem us. Amen. We celebrated it in communion. From all wickedness and to purify for himself a people of his very own, just like him, eager to do what's good. We can't separate that. He wants a people that are pure, just like you want a pure bride. You know, when uh, Elijah had that, that uh, battle with the gods on Mount Carmel. He, uh, he said to the people uh, of Israel, they, they couldn't decide. And he says this, How long halt ye between two opinions? 
If God is God, then serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. And it said, and the people wouldn't say a word until the fire came down. And then they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That word, halt ye, is really interesting. Here are some other translations of that word. How long are you going to hesitate? How long are you going to be hobbled? How long are you going to dance? It's the actual Hebrew word for dance. How long are you going to dance around and not make a decision? How long are you going to jump is another um, translation. How long are you going to limp? (laughs) Drag yourself back and forth. How long are you going to waver? You can't stand there forever. Here's mine. How long are you going to ride the fence? How long are you going to have it both ways? <laughs> Jesus said you can't serve two masters. Here's the one my mother loved. In or out, close the door. <laughs> I have uh, two grandsons through my, my daughter, and they're very different personalities, uh, Benjamin, the oldest, is, is, is very, he keeps his options open. And throughout his whole time, he, he's in college now, I would say, hey, Benjamin, you want to do such, such? He'd go, maybe. His younger brother, Micah, Micah, you want to do that? Yeah. Who do you think I like? <laughs> well, I like them both. But who's fun? Micah, sure. Papa, Sure. He's all in. Jesus wants us to, do you want to serve me? I mean, really? Are you all in? Maybe. <laughs> no, sure, sure, I do. I'm all in. Are you all in? <laughs> now, none of us are 100% all in. Uh you know, for years, I signed all my letters without wax. Do you know what that means? Maybe you've been taught that. The, uh, the word sincerely in the Bible, the reason why we write and we sign sincerely, it's, it's sincere. And in this type of town, when they would make a piece of pottery, if it cracked and they were unscrupulous, they would put some wax in it and then put it together and then gloss it over, and it looked really good. But if you took it home and it got in the sunlight, guess what happened? The wax would melt, and it would fall apart. So honest potters would stamp on the bottom, sincere, which means no wax. Well, I, I thought that was really cool, so I started writing letters, and I would write without wax. I got a Letter back from a friend of mine, a wonderful Christian guy, pastor. He wrote, with a little bit of wax. (laughs) And I thought, that's more honest. Who can say, there's no wax in me at all, man. I'm 100%. So I'm not promoting that. But to the best of our abilities, are we committed to say, the Lord, he's God, and I don't want this Christianity to just affect my emotions. Um, I want it to affect my, my brain. I want to believe right. But I also want it to affect my hands and my feet and my heart. Um, 
I, I want to obey you. I, I want to behave correctly, even if it really costs me. And it really cost them in Thyatira. And you know what? I have a hunch it's going to start costing us a whole lot more than it used to, right here in the United States of America. And you know what? Thanks for what you said. I got a Marine Corps tattoo there. So, you know, I, I, I serve my country. I love my country. But I tell you what, as the old song says, I, I, I think I see the bad moon arising. <laughs> we better re be real. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for how truthful you are. Father, we don't want to get eaten by the bear. And uh, we pray that we would be true to you, true to truth, and uh, live it out. And we pray that for this church as well. Each of us as individuals, our church and our country, we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.